Hello, my name is William Henry. And I am Michael Penny. And first of all, today we want to look at something very small, but which can be a mighty force either for good or for evil. That is the tongue. For its size, it is exceptionally powerful. In his letter, James says this about it. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So what does wisdom in general and Proverbs in particular will say about the tongue? Well, I think that the writers of Proverbs would agree with what James said. And you just quoted James 1 verse 5. They've got no doubt about the power of what we can say. Proverbs 15 says it can be a tree of life in bringing healing or it can crush the spirit. Proverbs 12 says it can cheer a man up or it can weigh him down. And Proverbs 15 says it can turn away wrath or it can stir up anger. I suppose Proverbs 18 really summarizes the whole thing by saying that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Mm. Well, since this is the case, we really need to be careful about what we say, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, the more words that are spoken, I presume, gives the more opportunity for harm to result. Therefore, if we are wise, our words will be few, as Proverbs 10, 19 points out. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Yeah, in fact... Solomon points it out with a a little bit of irony. He says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. So the less we say, the wiser people think we are. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, a slip of the tongue can do a lot of damage. And James 1.19 says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember a past general election Gordon Brown was the prime minister, and he was seeking re-election. He found himself in trouble for describing a woman who had just questioned him strongly as bigoted. He had not realized the microphones were still on when he got into the car. And although he subsequently apologized, calling himself a penitent sinner, the damage had been done. Well, yeah, it's easy for us, I think, to to point the finger at those who are in the public eye because their words are constantly under scrutiny from the media. I mean, the US president more recently um, made some comments about Russia and Ukraine, which were not quite right and, and really kind of inflamed the situation. But it is a fact, I think we all have the tendency to speak without thinking. And I think that's more so in in cases of stress where we're under pressure, but the harm that's caused by careless words are sometimes, well, difficult to reverse. Yes, and it's not only what we say in public like that, but it's social media highlights the problems. You've got Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got texted, you've got emails. Something said or written hastily is there for all to see. You can take the postings down, but the damage can be permanent. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I think we need to think very carefully before we reply to electronic messages, something that's said in the heat of the moment, and it can have massive consequences. It is important that we think before we speak and think before we type. 
One aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which Paul sets out in Galatians 5.23, is self-control, which we talked about in our last podcast. And this will include self-control when we speak. I think Proverbs must have something to say about that. Oh, yes, it has. God's wisdom warns us to engage our brains before we engage our tongues. So Proverbs 13 says, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. And then again in Proverbs 15, we have this, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Mm. In our first podcast in this series on wisdom, we saw that Proverbs described wisdom as a woman to be embraced. But there's another woman in Proverbs, isn't there? Uh, one not associated with wisdom, but one associated rather with foolishness? Yeah, that's right. Um, folly is personified in, in Proverbs chapter 9 as a woman who is loud, who is unruly, who is ill-disciplined, ill-disciplined in speech and lacking in knowledge also. It says in Proverbs 18 that the foolish person is always keen to air his own opinions, but no one's impressed by views that haven't been thought through, and they can really create problems for the speaker. So Proverbs 18 says, a fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. He who answers before listening, that's his folly and his shame. Yeah, yeah. There are some people who answer without listening, aren't there? Uh, we're probably all guilty of it at one time or another, perhaps, when we are too engrossed in our own thoughts. But it really is hurtful to the other person. You know, and you can cause a great deal of resentment when people are telling you something they consider to be important, and yet you're miles away thinking about what you are going to say next. Yep. Any other examples of unwise talking, Luke? Well, to my mind, one of the most destructive aspects of foolish talk is gossiping, gossiping about other people. And in a previous podcast I mentioned, I was determined not to say anything detrimental about anyone in front of children, especially not my own children. However, for some people, the temptation to listen to gossip and then to pass the gossip on to others is enormous. You know, knowing a secret about someone that may change another person's opinion of that person uh, may not appeal to our sense of intrigue, but give us a feeling of superiority and importance. Yeah, yeah we, we must exercise self-control when it comes to gossip, but this can be hard. You know, Proverbs 18.8 suggests the words of a gossip are like choice mortals. They go down to a man's inmost parts. But, yeah, the, the effect of gossip can be enormously damaging because the result almost always is to put people down and make you think less of them. Gossiping creates distrust or mistrust and a sense of betrayal, especially if the information has been told to us in confidence. It's even worse if the facts are distorted or exaggerated, and they frequently are. So Proverbs 19 says a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 20 says a gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a man who talks too much. Oh, dear. 
Well, uh, in that case, I think we might be better off if we all go and live in a monastery and take a vow of silence, don't you think? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that's going a bit far. Though um, I do think we can cause a lot of harm by what we say. The tongue can also do a lot of good, so let's not forget that. I mean, just mm. listen to this in yeah. Proverbs 25. It's really good. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Isn't that great? Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Apples of gold in settings of silver. Yeah, I like that. So then, if we are wise, we'll weigh up situations before we speak and then use words with restraint, Proverbs 17 says. We recognize the positive benefits that come from words aptly spoken, as we saw a moment ago. Wise words promote instruction, Proverbs 16. They are like a honeycomb bringing healing to the bones. They nourish many. They bring forth wisdom. So there's a lot of positives from what we can say. Yeah, and, and those are some lovely descriptions in Proverbs, aren't they? Apples of gold, honeycomb. Yes, you know, honeycomb. And some people have the ability, they really have the ability to say just the right thing in any situation, don't they? Yeah, they do. I think it's something something we all really need to, to cultivate, to make positive comments and trying to build people up rather than bringing them down. In Colossians chapter 4, of course, Paul talks about that. He says, let your conversation always be full of grace. In Ephesians 4 as well, he told people that by speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love to one another is what helps the body of Christ to grow together. Yeah, speaking the truth. One important characteristic of wise speech is that it is rooted in truth. Proverbs shows the benefit of truthful speech in a number of passages. 12.19 state, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And then again in 16.13, kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. Well, kings are not alone in this, you know. As Christians, we follow the one who declared, I am the truth. Truth should be a cornerstone of our character. It's the belt in the Christian's armor, isn't it? Um, mm. Ephesians chapter 6. And I think truth is most commonly expressed in what we say. Our speech should be honest. It should be free from the kind of deliberate ambiguities and spin that's a feature of so much of the 21st century life. Oh, yeah, that's true, especially in politics and in the media. But what we say should have no undertones like we, we get in the politics and the media. As you just said, Colossians 4, 6, Paul's advice is, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And as the salt of the earth, as Christ describes his followers in Matthew five thirteen. The words we say should have the flavour of grace and a positive effect on those who hear them. Yeah, that's right. We have to speak the truth. But as Paul says there in Ephesians, we need to speak the truth in love and grace. It's not about brutally blurting out the truth and caring nothing about the consequences. We have to be really careful, about not only about what we say, but also how we say it. Oh, yes, that's true. There's an old song I remember from when I was a child. 
I won't sing it to you, but it goes a bit like, it ain't what you say, it's the way that you say it. That's what get results. But saying things in the right way, doing that can be hard. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that was you singing it, though, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, that's certainly true, that. It, it takes wisdom and discretion, I think, to know what to say and how to say it, to know when to speak, to know when to remain silent. The problem is that I think we sometimes just lose it and then we, we say things that we regret later. Yes. So we are back to self-control again, aren't we? James says that anyone who is never at fault in what he says is a perfect man or woman, able to keep their whole body in check. So that would be certainly fantastic if you could do that consistently, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And I think one of the reasons why we lose control over our tongues is when our pride gets damaged, especially in situations where we may disagree with people, or more importantly, when people may disagree with us. Now, pride is one of the seven so-called deadly sins. Yes, but I think it's interesting. Pride is often regarded as one of the least serious sins, if you like, particularly Mm. in our culture, because it tends to emphasize self-fulfillment. It also encourages us not to tolerate any criticisms of our lifestyle. Mm. I think to some extent it's it's right that we should take pride in the work we do and get a, a certain sense of satisfaction from any successes that come. But I think the problem is that because we're flawed human beings, these feelings can very easily develop into a kind of attitude of superiority attitude of autonomy, that we stand alone, all powerful. We may have a sense that we've achieved greatness and it's all through our own abilities and we're masters of our own destiny. Oh yeah, but the COVID-19 pandemic certainly showed that we are not in complete control of our fate. That's true, but it's still easy to lose sight of the fact that we are dependent on others, our family our neighbours, people at church, those we work with. And ultimately, I suppose, we're dependent on the Lord. Yep. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins. And in her book, Paul, The Seven Deadly Sins and Their Contrasting Virtues, Sylvia Penny points out that the opposite of pride is humility. And that is a hard virtue to achieve in modern society. As soon as we focus on humility, it can disappear as quick as our breath on a cold morning. Don't know why that is, but I suspect that may be because we can be tempted to take pride in our humility. (laughs) Ah, However, isn't true humility a product of wisdom? In that case, I suspect Proverbs are something to say about it. Yeah, the the writers of Proverbs understood the connection between the wisdom that comes from the fear and reverence of the Lord and an attitude of humility. There's a connection between them. Proverbs 15 says, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honour. And then Proverbs 22 says, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honour and life. Yes, I think I'm I think for the man and the woman who really fear and revere the Lord, there's no place for arrogance in their lives, is there? No, I I think that arrogance is particularly dangerous because it can have the effect of isolating us from others. A man or a woman with an inflated sense of their own abilities 
is very be, likely to be unwilling to take advice from others. Instead of that, they'll try and impose their views and be intolerant of any dissent. So Proverbs 13 says, pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Yep, and of course, the main instrument in any quarrel is the tongue. So the principles of controlling the tongue and showing humility hold good in every dimension of our experience, in our personal life, as well as in our social lives and working lives. Yeah, I think that's true. In commercial life, for example, we we can often see all-powerful chief executives who are supremely confident in their own vision, confident in their own abilities, and they try to drive through policies that can sometimes have disastrous impacts, not only on the companies and their employees, but also sometimes it's bad enough it can affect the whole economy. Isn't that why, in recognition of this problem, UK corporate governance regulations try to spread responsibilities throughout the board so that no one individual has unfettered powers of decision? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the theory anyway. I'm not sure that it's a complete safeguard. Mm. But I think it's true in any dimension of life, not just in business, in politics, in academia, even in the church. You get these people who have a lot of ability, but they get so full of their own sense of superiority that they are not capable of listening to any alternative views. They just sneer at the ideas, at the warnings, at the advice of other people. Yeah, well, wasn't it Lord Acton way back in the middle of the 19th century who stated that very famous, well-known saying, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Is that because power tends to engender superiority and pride? Yeah, I mean, I, I know the quote. Um, I, I think it could be that, could well be that. But people like that, I think, as I just mentioned, are so full of their own sense of superior, superiority that they're incapable of listening to any other views. They just sneer at these things. And people like that are described in Proverbs as mockers. Proverbs 21 says, the proud and arrogant man, Mocker is his name. He behaves with overweening pride. Oh, I never thought of a mocker in that way. Is his proverb saying that a mocker is someone who cannot be touched by or influenced by anyone else and that he is immune to correction, rebuke? That's it, yeah. That's an attitude Hmm. that prevents him from reaching any true wisdom. He doesn't listen to others. Proverbs 9 says this, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Yeah, Proverbs also warns that arrogance leads to pride, which will inevitably lead to other problems. Here are three quotes from Proverbs. The first is from chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Then in chapter 16, verse 18, we read, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then finally, in 29, 23, we have a man's pride brings him low, but a man's lowly spirit gains honor. Hmm. Okay, so on a purely practical level, then it's important that we have humility so that we are willing and able to learn from other people's advice and wisdom. 
However, I think that becomes even more important when we realize the way the Lord regards pride. He opposes the proud. Proverbs 16 verse 5 says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Yep. And Proverbs 21 verse 4 states, haughty eyes and a proud heart. They are the lamp of the wicked and they are sin. Yeah, you remember the Lord's parable in Luke 18 about the Pharisee and the tax collector who were praying. The Pharisee was so full of himself, while the tax collector realized that he was just a sinner and asked God for mercy. And Jesus said that it was he rather than the proud Pharisee that went home justified before God. But, but why is it you think the Lord is so opposed to human pride? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I think it's because... It contains in a nutshell the sin that has dogged the human race since the Garden of Eden, the desire to be like God. Human pride makes us forget our dependence on the Lord, forget the fact that he is the provider of all we have, our wealth, our abilities, even life itself comes from him. That's why we keep coming back to this attitude of a fear of the Lord as a starting point for a life that honors God. And an attitude like that guards against pride and it breeds humility too. Yeah. The Lord's parable of the rich fool in, in Luke 12, I think it is. Yeah. He planned to build bigger barns. And that shows the fragility of human existence in that parable. There can be no certainties in this life. If we are wise, we will defer to him in all our plans and schemes and in evaluating our self-worth. Proverbs 3, 34 to 35 states, He, the Lord, mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honour, but the fool he holds up to shame. Yeah, I like, I like the idea of the Lord mocking the mockers. <laughs> yeah, mocking mockers, yes. Anyway, these verses in Proverbs, you know, they are quoted by both James in chapter 4, verse 6, and Peter in 1 Peter 5, 5 as sound advice for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter adds this in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Yeah, John James says something similar in verse 10 of his chapter 4. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Yeah, and James expands on his quote from Proverbs, saying this in chapter 4, 13 to 16. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogant scheme. All such boasting is evil. Okay, then. We are followers of the servant king, aren't we? And he's gentle yeah. and humble in heart, as Matthew 11 says. Our attitude should be the same as his. Paul says that in Philippians 2, verse 5. And just before that, he says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, 
but also to the interests of others. Yeah, that's 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 good, but that's hard. Uh, yeah, true humility may be hard to achieve. In those verses, Paul shows how it operates on a daily basis when dealing with others. It is something we all need to do. And as I said, it is something that is hard to do. And it is something we really need God's grace to help us with if it's going to be a reality in our living day by day. So may the Lord help us in curtailing pride, in controlling our tongues, and in achieving that spirit of humility that he so desires in all of us. Thank you for listening. God bless you.